0: Oliver, this is a good one.
1: Yes, definitely one to watch on YouTube.
0: Our podcast is called First Class Counselors and we're over 23 episodes in, but I think we finally figured it out. We got this one, right?
1: Yeah, I think we nailed it. Uh, yeah, and, and in this episode, we've got the six steps in being a first class counselor. You know, they're right here, plus you're gonna learn about smeat or is it Am Eats? And if you're
0: not scared off by how gross Smeet sounds, then stick with us because it's going to be a good one.
1: This is First Class Counselors, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. First Class Counselors is dedicated to young and -and up-and-coming camp mavericks. By equipping and empowering our on-the-ground staff, camp directors can rest easy knowing that our campers are having the true life-changing experience that parents expect. Find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and professionals at camphacker.tv hello camp pros this is oliver gregan my pronouns are he him and i am a summer camp professional
0: i'm matt hansberger my pronouns are also he him i'm the executive producer of podcasting at go camp pro and welcome back to first class counselors
1: yes this is a series for directors to give to their counselors as they hire and prepare them for the upcoming summer
0: and Oliver, I know this for a fact that our listeners aren't just directors who are giving them to their counselors. We have some awesome camp counselors listening to this. And for all you camp counselors out there, you know that we believe you are superheroes, that you change the lives of kids and you are the reason they come back to camp year after year. And that's why we do this podcast. So we can give you the skills to be those awesome superheroes to get those kids to come back.
1: That's right. And you've We thank you so much for tuning into First Class Counselors. Here, we're going to cover one specific topic, and we're going to cover the essentials as fast as we can.
0: It's the need-to-knows.
1: The can't-go-withouts. The fundamentals. The basics. So what are we talking about today? If you haven't noticed from every podcast about summer camps, there are a lot of things that you need to be good at, whether it's talking to campers, working out with other staff, always hitting a bullseye in archery, maybe dancing like a professional, supervising campers properly, creating a safe environment, man, there's a lot. Well, there are many things that we're going to break down in the recipe to be a great counselor and to be good at everything, when the time comes, it is really up to you to do the things that you need to do to be a great counselor. So today we're talking about six major skills that can kind of transition to any part of being a counselor to make you a first-class counselor.
0: Yeah, I mean, these are six skills. These aren't the be all and end all six skills. I imagine that down the road, Oliver, we're going to have a six more skills and then a six more and more skills. But uh, I'm really excited. All six of these are things that uh, if you can master these six things, first class counselor, for sure.
1: Oh, yeah. And to get us, start us started, let's start with one of my favorites and one that we've definitely mentioned on the show before. And Matt, what is it?
0: Yeah, we want you as a first-class counselor to say yes. And not just in the dramatic way, not just uh, just saying yes to whatever you want. There's a lot of things that go into this. So I'm going to give you three things to start off with. One, say yes to conversations. What I mean by that is that when it's those, you know, late-night, before-curfew chats about why camp is important or those late-night conversations with a, a camper who's missing home or if it's a conversation with a camp director who, who pulls you into their office, don't be afraid of those conversations and try to lean into them a little bit because you never know what opportunities will come from that. Whether it's a relationship like a closer friendship or a relationship with that camper where you're building a bond that will make that camper want to come back to camp, that conversation can spark so many different things. So that's one thing to say yes to. Two, say yes to volunteering and especially with off-season opportunities, one of my favorite parts about being at camp staff was that when I was, you know, going back to school in my first week of school, and my camp would call me up and say, "Hey, we need staff for this uh, this retreat happening on a weekend. Can you make it up to camp?" And some of those moments in the fall when I got to go up to camp were awesome. And there's tons of opportunities to volunteer with your camp. I remember in our our last couple episodes, we've talked about that. So uh, take advantage and say yes to those opportunities. The third thing is is say yes to the hard work that camp is. Likely, camp, you'll never work harder when, than when you work at camp. But in my experience, it's always rewarding. The skills you learn, the people, you know, I, I've made best friends, and we've reflected on this as we were doing it, like lifting the docks out at the start of a camp season, putting them into the freezing cold lake. You make friends when you work hard and you do those things together. And you never know what skills you might pick up, right? Um, they asked if I could go and help with a maintenance project. We ended up driving to another site and I used a post hole digger for the first time, this like big piece of machinery. Um, and now, you know, I, if you want me to build you a fence, I can build you a fence because of that post hole digging skills. So, uh, so say yes to conversations, say yes to volunteering and say yes to working hard. What
1: what do you got? I love that, that say yes mentality. You hit a really important point there. There's just so much opportunity that comes from it where it doesn't happen when you say no. A joke that I always make with my friends is you never know what's going to happen. So if you say yes to something as simple as, oh, hey, like we're going into town to pick up band-aids. You never can tell what's going to happen in that band-aid trip. There are some pretty amazing stories that I can talk about that just happen from this the lamest of saying yes, that just migrates into this grandness of stories. So mm-hmm. say yes in that, uh, in that aspect. For me, this hop in mentality encourages you to try new things and enjoy that moment, right? Those moments don't happen without it. You get to try these new things like building a fence for the first time or building the stage if it's kind of a maintenance task, but there are so many activities that happen at camp that if you say yes to you get to just enjoy them sometimes even if it's not something that you're particularly good at you know uh you may have never canoed before but if you say yes and hop in a canoe you're gonna get to maybe learn how to canoe that day so go for it um, also if your canoe tips over and you fall in the water it's a good story nonetheless When you come down to it, saying yes as many times as you can is going to be helpful. So as a little drill, what I say is pick an hour or a day and just say yes for that entire period of time. I know that there's probably movies and people on YouTube who have done this as kind of a joke, but take the time to do it yourself and see how it works out. If after that hour you feel accomplished in a task or you formed a memory or you are at least happily occupied, it can show how far saying yes can go. This can also make for a great campfire skit. If you're ever up on stage, you just kind of say yes to whatever somebody asks of you and all of a sudden some pretty miraculous things can happen. Um, I've been attacked by sharks on stage and I've gone to space and it was all because I said yes. So take the time and say yes. By the way, I haven't ever actually literally been attacked by a shark or gone to space. I would love (laughs) to do those things. They just happened on stage, but I said yes and I got to at least imitate that experience.
0: And that's like your that that is your stand up comedy and improv training, right, Oliver? It, it comes right into that.
1: Oh yeah, a wee bit. Yeah, say yes is actually one of the fundamental rules of improv. So we practiced it all the time. Um, you know, or I practiced it all the time. Ah, man you got to always remember the good old days where you said yes and you got some good memories from back then. And
0: this, and this uh, our listeners out there, is your second reminder that I'm still waiting on video evidence of Oliver's stand-up comedy routine. I, I, it's oh, going to okay. be a season theme until you send it to me, Oliver.
1: I don't, or, I don't think I have any footage.
0: Okay, so what our listeners would say is that they just need a whole episode of you doing your stand-up comedy routine.
1: Oh, man. Uh, yeah, just we'll, put
0: it out there. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there, that's all.
1: We'll see if it ever happens. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to our second topic. It's learning how to ask the right questions and listening actively and empathetically. So learning to ask the right questions is important. And here are some tips that I use for myself whenever I'm in a conversation with somebody. I make sure that I'm not asking questions to look for a specific answer. If I'm leading somebody onto something, they're going to tell me kind of what I want to hear or something close to it. People typically don't want to disappoint. So their answer is going to be modified to you. If you're asking questions that allow them to answer to the fullest capacity, so they're more open-ended or perhaps you're not asking about a specific thing that would lead them in a direction that you want them to, you're going to be better off. So a way that I kind of practice this is ask for one word answers that aren't things like good or okay or fine, but you know, ask an open-ended question and have them answer with one word. So for example, if I was to ask somebody, you know, how were the guests today? If they, they might answer with something like good, okay, or fine. But if I said something more along the lines of what did you do today? to help the guests have a great time, you're going to get a better answer from your co-counselor or from whoever you're talking to. So all right. moving on to our second topic on how to be a great first-class counselor, it's about asking the right questions and listening to those answers. Learning to ask the right questions is really important. And you want to make sure that when you ask those questions, you're asking them in a way that you can therefore actively listen back to them and be empathetic to what they're telling you. So I do use a few tips or tricks myself. The first one is I make sure that I don't ask questions that are looking for specific answers. So I'm not gonna ask somebody a question leading them down a specific path that I want the answer to. Uh, I might stay within a category, but I'm not going to try and force somebody into answering something that they might feel uncomfortable with or might not be ready to answer. Another thing that I try to do is I try to ask people to answer with you know, the honest answer that they can, but sometimes try to use just one word and make sure that word isn't no, yes, good, okay, or fine. You want them to expand a little bit more with that one word. So you know, asking a question about how a camper's experience was that day might be a little bit more like, what did you do today? That leads them into the direction of you're learning what happened and then you can start looking for a more empathetic response because they're going to tell you how their day was instead of just saying the one word good okay fine. The next thing is you also want to make sure that you're looking for those solid answers so when they do answer those questions, you're gonna get an honest answer back. So you could do this by actively listening, which means that you're gonna repeat back things that they say to you, you're gonna nod your head, your body's gonna be engaged, and you're gonna be there to listen to them, not feed them more. And then the other thing is to be empathetic. If they do answer with a problem or something that they're struggling with, sometimes it's okay to give an answer to that problem, but it's also totally fine To just listen to their problem and try and connect with them on how their feelings are. So those are my kind of tips for if you're asking questions and you're listening. Matt, what are some things that you do to help others listen and question better.
0: Yeah, I want to pick up just kind of where you left off. It sounded like a lot of the times you were, if you're addressing campers, uh, especially in like the team building or activity debriefing world, you can say like, what did this activity teach us? And the kids know the buzzwords, right? The, the teamwork or listening. And um, or, or if kids are saying, you know, how was your day? And they say, good. What you can do is just ask them a, a compassionate follow up. You can say, tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me or why was it good? Tell me about that. Or when they say teamwork, we can say, okay, well, what, what did it look like? What did teamwork look like? Can you give me an example of when you saw teamwork with the group? And that can help draw some of those out because the kids, they, they might not be used to speaking like that. And that's something that we can teach them is to expand on their thoughts and give specific answers as well. So um, I like that you brought up that one word um, point as well. Uh, three more points for me on this. And this is mostly... Um, kind of logistical when you're thinking of, of how to interact at camp, especially um, how to get things done as a counselor. The one thing I would say is if you don't know, just ask. Um, when you ask, you get the right information if you ask the right people, and it saves time and it saves resources. Um, and you're not doing anything you shouldn't do by accident. So if, um, for instance, if I need to use Uh, In one of our past episodes, we talked about um, using a fork, right, Oliver, as a dingle hopper. I believe, that was the words. Um, You know, if you ask the kitchen staff, can I use that, then, uh, because if you're not sure if you can use it, you're better off to ask. Because the kitchen staff might say, you know, actually, we're really short on forks. uh, And if we lose one more, not everyone will get a fork. That is something that has happened to me before. Uh, So, you know, just ask. There was there we did a whole uh, staff training session on just asking, which was kind of cool. You ask questions about everything, um, and you'll, you'll be surprised, what you'll find out sometimes. The other thing um, this is from my personal experience, and so there might be some people like me out there, is that I'm a pretty collaborative person when I work, and I ask questions a lot. and sometimes I ask questions too much. Or I'll ask questions before I've even really thought about it before. Um, in my personal life, that can really bug my partner sometimes. If I if I literally just like yell down the hallway, where's this? And I haven't looked on the, the kitchen table that is right there. So um, I, and that's nice to work on your own perception skills <laughs> every once in a while and not just rely on other people. So what I what I do, what I do, what I try to do is before when I have a question and I'm about to verbalize it, I literally count to 10 as I'm looking, especially when I'm looking for something um, or I think about it for 10 seconds. And if I get through those 10 seconds, then I can ask. And it is like surprising how often that I don't actually need to ask that question. Um, And then the last thing, I think it's just a skill that uh, in conversation wise, we, we don't always do. And it can't be reminded enough is that eye contact is everything to show someone that you're listening, looking into their eyes is, is really powerful. And I'll give you a little secret uh, when it comes to eye contact. This is this could be my egg for this episode, but um, you'll get another one from me. Is if, if eye contact is really uncomfortable for you, what you can do, and if you're watching the video right now, this will definitely make sense. But if you look at the space right in between their eyes on the top of the bridge of their nose, you cannot tell if like somebody can't tell if you're looking in their eyes or not so if i were to stare at the where oliver's glasses meet right now there's no way it doesn't work on webcam because i have to look at the webcam to look at his eyes but um if i were to look at that part of his nose he would not be able to tell if i was looking in his eyes or not um and that is uh that's a travis allison teaching lesson a zoic lesson for me
1: yeah and if you are trapped on virtual programming which i know many are uh, a good trick to try try to start learning is do look into the camera mm-hmm. right it is so tempting and I, even when we do our recordings i know i look at matt most of the time uh on his little video screen yeah uh, but the more and more that you look directly into the camera you actually are giving that eye contact because People are looking at the screen that you are looking through in the camera, which I'm trying to practice right now, and it is (laughs) tough at times, but you can definitely tell the difference if you're watching us on YouTube that eye contact is being made, and there's a different feeling here.
0: I've seen, Oliver, I've seen people put uh, an eyeball, like a cutout eyeball, and then they cut out the hole around the webcam so that if you're watching, again, on YouTube right now, you can see through my fingers. It's like an eyeball. So it reminds me to look, or even just a a sticky note with an arrow on it can be helpful. in that way sometimes too, that's a, that's a really good point, Oliver.
1: All right. Well, if we're going to go to topic three, this is one that I love because it's about being prepared, but also being flexible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these are kind of seen as, you know, opposites. And I find that I do have the personality of what I think many camp professionals have where you super over-prepare because you need to know everything that's going on for something and then you never follow the plan. You know, every little <laughs> detail is written down and exactly what's supposed to be. And then all of a sudden uh, you're having a DJ and a foam pit and some of the greatest food that the camp makes like chicken nugget night, whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden you get down to the event and there's not a single kid dancing because they're all looking at a spider that's just super big and it's sitting next to the pavilion. And you're just like, Oh my God, all this (laughs) hard work for nothing. But you've got to realize that you did prepare this amazing event. It is a great event. Things happen. Things don't go according to plan. So all of a sudden you take that spider and you put it in a jar and that spider becomes a judge for a dance competition. And the night is not saved, but you know, amplified by the amazing awesomeness of this giant spider and the addition of all the prep and preparedness you put into this event. And I think that's kind of what makes a great camp professional, you know, a great first class counselor is they take the twists and the turn and it gets added into everything that's been prepared and, and is ready so they can amplify the event to even pass what it was. Um, and that is from an actual story i we once had a camp dance and there was a spider that took the majority of camp attention away uh for a little bit so w- there was there is now a spider like dance that you can do called the spider sway uh, which please again
0: video evidence please
1: who uh, uh, maybe <laughs> i'll make a i'll make a Pitch for it, maybe at the end of the episode.
0: Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I, I like that, Oliver, because essentially, yeah, it's not wasted planning time. Now you, you just got a free program. that Something that you did not have to plan was the spider that, that did everything. And you can do that dance. You can do those things another time when, inspiration, when, when you're searching for inspiration. You have that in your back pocket now because you've done all the work. It, the, the key is just not to forget that that's an option later on.
1: Yeah, I think that's, uh, it's really important. And we'll kind of hit more similar, uh, there's another topic. I think there's a little similar to this topic, but I think that getting prepared, it's, you know, having the things in your backpack that you really need during the day. It's knowing your schedule that you're supposed to be following. And when the time comes, you're flexible with what might need to be adapted to, um, in order to continue improving whatever you're doing for that day. Um. And we'll definitely have some examples later. But uh, Matt, what about you? When you're telling a counselor, it's time to be prepared and flexible at the same time. How do you explain that oxymoron to a staff member?
0: Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head, Oliver. I, I think that the reason why a lot of camp professional, professionals think like that, where they over prepare is because they know that often we, we, we prepare more things than we need to do. And we leave them wanting more. Uh, Carl Ronk, who's one of the, um, just passed away actually. So the late Carl Ronk um, had this phrase and he says, end it while it's fun. So you're playing playing a game and if the kid's interest wanes, then you end it while it's fun. And that's the flexible part, right? So you over plan and you also end it while it's still exciting. Just because you plan for rock hunting or this amazing program you've worked on to last for 45 minutes, it might not work. The, the design of your program, and I think we talked about this maybe in our very first episode, I think it was planning perfect programs. Um, the way that I learned to plan my sessions was five minutes at a time. What are kids doing? every five minutes and there should be something new some new twist that you can add and that'll help with attention span with kids too so plan five minutes at a time and then you're ending it while it's fun even more often and not relying on something to take longer when it might go shorter because the camper experience comes first
1: yeah i and to leave this note on this topic that i think is so important it's just saying that at the end of the day you can't predict fun. You don't know what's going to be fun as camp professionals. We have an idea of what path to go down, right? Like we know the camp dance is typically going to be fun. We know that capture the flag is going to be fun, but you just don't know, you know, is there, you know, a kid, it's not going to hit. Maybe it's just too hot when you're trying to do it and everyone's overheating while they play capture the flag. Maybe, you know, just something isn't agreeing or the mood of camp just isn't here for this event. Uh, whatever it might be, you can't predict fun. You can prepare for it, and then you can be flexible about what is happening in the moment. And if you can get that uh, across to your campers and your fellow staff members, or if you're a camp director, the camp as a whole, you know, as your staff, you're going to start to see, hey, my camp staff are adapting and doing what they need to do to be first-class counselors, in this case, by preparing for fun and being flexible to keep that path going. I think that's really important. Now, if I was talking about maybe having the choice of fun. you know, I could go and I can listen to some amazing programming that's being offered by GoCamp Pro right now. I know Matt is working on these things called Five Minute Fridays, and I've become absolutely addicted to listening to them. I really enjoyed one of Matt's last ones, which was all about incorporating free play and choice in free play, which again, is an oxymoron. So it's fantastic to listen to these, but Matt, can you tell me how I can get a hold of more?
0: Yes, that's right. So if you want to sign up for Five Minute Fridays, it's four five-minute videos coming from uh, three incredible, amazing camp professionals and me. I, pretty okay overall. Uh, you're getting videos every week, four five-minute videos, one from Travis Allison, one from Beth Allison, one from Ruby Compton, and one from myself. And it's five minutes of inspiration Uh, to help get you through this COVID time. And because it's COVID and budgets are slashed and we only have so much time for development, 5-Minute Fridays are 5 bucks. $5 a month will get you videos every Friday for that whole month. You can also sign up for a year to give yourself a little bit of a price break. If you want to find out more about 5-Minute Fridays, go to gocamp.pro slash 5MF. That's gocamp.pro slash 5 MF. For five minute Fridays.
1: All right, and if we're gonna move on to another topic that makes great counselors, I think it's one of the big ones. It's one of the ones that's always in the back of our head, but it's sight on safety, right? It's thinking about how am I gonna make sure that everything's safe in the environment? Matt and I have hit this on the head so many times about just saying your campers aren't gonna have a good time if they're not gonna be safe. So this is what we wanna hit on now. I say, you know, even if you can't canoe well, or if you're not a great climber, you should have an idea about the safety that is necessary in those areas that was covered in staff training, or maybe the person who's actually facilitating it gave some form of safety speech, or maybe the fact that you're an adult, right? And you have good common sense, you know what to be on the lookout for. You know, first class counselors can step up into most activities and have that kind of sense that goes, this isn't safe. And to train that sense, I say, look for a couple of things, a few variables in the, in what you're looking to get for safety. You know, look at the area. Is the area that I'm in safe? There's no dangers. You know, there's no widow maker trees that are about to fall and maybe hurt somebody. Uh, mass. How big of a thing are we dealing with? Right, is this a heavy object? Is it too large? Uh, is there a, You know, how much energy are we dealing with? I've talked about potential versus kinetic energy in camping, but also, you know, how much energy are we dealing with? Is somebody swinging a bat? Are they running at full speed? You know, what's going on here? Look at your potential things that could go off and your kinetic things that are going off. Uh, Is this age appropriate for my campers? Do they have the coordination and the knowledge necessary to handle these things? The temperature. Is this thing a cold item or a hot item? Are my campers ready for that? Can you touch it? Is it safe? Uh, Something that I also put into that kind of category. Is it, you know, a acid or something dangerous like a chemical that maybe we need to be wearing gloves or safety glasses for? If you're doing like a science experiment or you're shooting a rocket off into the air, uh, you know you're looking at you're looking into those kind of variables, and then finally is it sharp? you know if you're in outdoor cooking or using a knife are um, using tools of any kind to like fix a bike or something like that uh, you know keep those things and as I'm reading these off, which are just things in my head, Matt is telling me that this is also a great acronym called am eats so <laughs> am eats those i say i am eats safety right i i I am eating safety i don't know but <laughs>
0: We eat safety for breakfast, lunch, and dinner here on First there you go. Counselors.
1: <laughs> and even if, you can't, even if uh, you can't remember all those things and you just start going, man, I need to make sure my camper is more safe. I am eats. Uh, let's start breaking that <laughs> down. Maybe you'll get to somewhere where you're being a little more safe with your campers all the time. So I think that's really important. Sight on safety and to remember am eats. Yeah. I'll,
0: I'll throw that one in the show notes. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, I was thinking the other T, Oliver, is not just the temperature of the thing you're playing with, but the temperature outside. Um, As climate change continues, if it's a really hot day, is the activity appropriate for that level of heat? Or have you incorporated water breaks into that activity as well?
1: Yeah, I, I think, too, if you're going through this checklist in your brain, you're going to at least see even things that I didn't mention about, right? Like I said, area at the very beginning checking for, you know, a tree that might be falling or something that's dangerous in the area, that could also count towards, you know, it, are there people in this area that might not be safe to be around? Mm-hmm. You know, am I in a public space? Uh, I know a lot of camps will do a field trip, or they may have guests on camp that you don't know. So you just, until you do know, you make sure your campers are safe. I don't know. I like smeats. We're breaking this down right now, or at least Matt Smeats? <laughs> How do you feel about that?
0: S Smeets yeah. I like I, I like smeets as well with a double A.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. If you are listening to our <laughs> show right now, head on over to the show notes, and you'll see what Matt and I decided after the show. Uh, is it smeets? Is it a meats? Is it I am meats? I don't know. You'll find out.
0: This is definitely going in the blurb off the top of the show. So uh, if you listen to the blurb, here we are. This is what Smeets is. (laughs) There
1: you go. All right, Matt, if you're going to be a first class counselor talking about safety, what are the things you're going to do other than Smeeting?
0: Well, (laughs) that's gross. I don't don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, What I would talk about for uh, safety, um, I have this phrase in my head. It's not as great as Smeet. Um, but 360 degrees of safety is the way that I think about it. So I think about safety in terms of a bunch of different facets. So, um, SMEATS covers a lot of physical safety. Um, what is going, what could hurt, uh, or could damage property or people? The other degrees of safety to think about are emotional safety. Emotional, how does it affect the feelings of the people around us? I think about mental safety. What does it look like in terms of our self-esteem and other people's self-esteem? Um, and how we're affecting that through our actions and through what we're doing. And then I've worked at Christian camps. I know that some of our listeners are from Christian camps, and we talk about spiritual safety, And or not even Christian camps. If it's a, a Jewish camp or other people come to camps with different beliefs and different religions, are we being safe and respecting that spirituality? And you could extend that to um, other people's beliefs that are non-spiritual as well. So if someone has those strong beliefs, is, are what we're doing being sensitive to that um, and taking all of those into account. And if we do that, we're experiencing 360 degrees of safety. Um, the other quick thing that I would just say with this, or t- two quick things. One, I said before, just ask. The safety thing. Safety is another thing where you just ask. If you're not sure, don't make it up, right? If Even if you are a trained ropes course professional, um, ropes courses where there's a lot of danger and safety is a huge consideration, just because you think you can do an activity that's not on your ropes course, like, oh, we can do milk crate stacking because we have an overhead belay system and that makes sense. If, the, if you weren't trained to do that activity, you need to ask before you do it because there might be something that you hadn't considered where people need to wear helmets or what is the fall risk or how spotters need to happen. You just might not have considered that. So before you do something, especially if it's going to be unsafe, you need to ask. And the last thing, since we're talking about the ropes course, is just don't get complacent with safety procedures. If there's things that need to be followed, follow them no matter what. This goes for camp directors, for program staff, for counselors, and for campers, that if you have to check certain things before you can go on the ropes course or before you can go in the water, you need to do those checks, and they're important. They're not a pain in the butt. They're a part of making sure that people stay alive and they stay safe.
1: Oh my, Matt, those points you just hit on just as a camp director, they made me feel so calm, right? (laughs) Yeah, don't just do a program because you think it'd be fun and awesome. Some of the programs that are put in have been thought about so much by a camp director before they even come into being, right? There's like a checklist that is in your supervisor's head about safety that they go through sometimes very quickly. Sometimes they take their time, but man, just the experience level that your supervisor may have had, that's going to allow them, or at least the perspective they're giving, they're going to think, Oh man. Yeah. I really got to think about how this is going to work and is it going to be safe? And then that complacent with procedures is just such an amazing point. Someone who's had to be a watchful eye over something like ropes as you were talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the biggest injuries or things that go wrong aren't from a gear malfunction or from uh from a poor procedure that's been in place it's because somebody was complacent wasn't thinking it's maybe the 50th person they've put down the zip line that day and they just didn't think about it and that's where something goes wrong so the complacency it man it hits home so well that's why supervisors are always on top of people saying Hey, make sure you're checking that stuff. Make sure you're on top of it. You know, because if they don't get on you, that once out of every fifty campers, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's going to be something that happens.
0: It's human error, right? We we all make you're, you we do make mistakes, and we're all humans. That's why safety procedures are in place, is so that our our dumb dumb human brains that get distracted by a shiny butterfly, shiny butterfly, you know, uh, that get distracted by things. Um, they mess up. I, I want to just nail on this for one more thing, Oliver, when it comes to safety and uh, calling back to something I forgot to mention in, in the saying yes topic is that you've heard me on the podcast talk a bunch about when campers suggest something, we want to have this say yes mentality. If they want to do something, say yes, absolutely. And you've heard me tell the story about a kid who said, Hey, can we canoe off the roof? Cause they were trying to be, um, you know clever and cheeky and we had a counselor that said yes to that and obviously they didn't take a canoe onto the roof but they said yes and then they considered the safety aspects of it and helped the kid understand the safety aspect of it and they ended up doing a really cool um physics lesson that was super fun because they said yes and they considered safety so those two i think really go hand in hand yeah all
1: right so if we move on from this really important uh conversation of safety let's talk about supporting the sideline our next topic because this is something that's really important you may not have the ability to do whatever someone says and say and say yes right you might not be able to I don't know uh you might not be able to canoe it might just not be in your thing for me I can't play an instrument I you know I pick up a ukulele and the strings break just to stay away from me and I don't come to be a good singer I don't you know I'm not a craft person, if you ask, I could probably sit down and with enough glue it may look like what you're asking for. But I I'm not saying I can't do these things. I'm just saying that they're not my strengths. They're not something that I am going to jump forward and do all the time. I will say yes, like like we talked about before, but sometimes it's just important for you to support others to do this. This might be the campers, right? Like you might go into arts and crafts. It's your arts and crafts time and you're not an arts and crafts counselor, but you can still be there to support your campers and assist them with whatever they're doing. So you're supporting from that sideline. Uh, If perhaps you are uh, not, the athletic kind of person. You can still sit there on the sidelines and help coach, make sure people are hydrated, you know, make sure people are substituting, getting in and out, making sure people are wearing their pennies like they're supposed to. You know, being a sideline person to assist, it might, you know, It might be a lot of different things but you can help you can be there to assist and i think that's really important so support from the sideline is something that is always possible even if they say yes isn't always something that's super possible for you uh, physically or ability-wise
0: i love that I, i this whole topic just speaks to me i've had in my mind like i wanted to run a session on this for a long time it's just being the best audience member I'm almost sure I've talked about this before because it's something I feel so strongly about. Is that you supporting someone else looks like you being the type of audience that they hope they are. So if your co, one of your co staff or any other staff member is explaining a game, then you should be listening like you want the campers to listen. Because a monkey see, monkey do, and the campers. So that means the campers will pay attention and follow what you're doing because you're super cool and they want to be super cool like you but B, it's also about um, helping and supporting that person on stage. And often what I, what I try to do, um, especially when, I'm, when I was a, a counselor or even as a camp director and I had a staff explaining a game, I would make sure that I'm making eye contact with them, I'm nodding along, I'm smiling, I'm giving that person confidence. And even when, when we're recording these podcasts, right? And all I can tell Oliver's paying attention. Um, and sometimes we're trying to figure out like who's going to talk next and we have to do that, but I can tell when we're engaged because Oliver will smile or he'll laugh. And now he's thinking about laughing. So he's smiling even more. Um, this is a great YouTube watch. Um, but, <laughs> but, but it's awesome to be supportive in that way because then you're giving people that emotional response and building their self esteem. Um, And also putting out small fires as we go. I I always think of like explaining a game is where this context comes in. You know, if campers are talking, you're not going to talk to interrupt them, but you can position yourself strategically between the two campers so that they so they're because they're not going to talk when you're around. Um, So that is being the best audience member and supporting them in that way.
1: Our last other topic to make sure that you're going to be a first class counselor, at least the first six, yeah. Let's talk about practicing positivity, right? You're always working towards being positive at camp. It's such an important part of it. But you know, how can you be realistically positive all the time? You know, when it rains, something that you could look to do is say, "Hey, it only rains so many days of the year. i I think it's sunnier more days than this." You know, look to that optimism of you don't get that many rainy days in a year. And when that opportunity comes, there are programs that you can only do if it rains, right? You know, I remember uh, working in British Columbia, Canada, it didn't rain. Like during the summer, it was kind of dry and there wasn't much. And then all of a sudden it rained one morning and there was no rainy day program that we had ready to go. And I said, well, let's just collect the rain. Let's go out and gather it up as best as we can. (laughs) And Kids grabbed cups and glasses and jugs and tarps and weird things to just try and collect as much water as they could for an hour, and it was just a competition to see who could collect as much rainwater as possible. That only happens if it rains. You can't yeah. play that game if, at the lake. You, what people just grab buckets and fill up yeah, more yeah. buckets. It's, it, maybe, but not as much fun as if it's raining, and you've got to catch it from the sky. That, that only happens experience. on rainy days. so oh, I love that. And that came from just being positive, right? We I talked about it earlier about being flexible, but that is just that, you know, if it's really windy, it's it's the day to make a kite, right? Like grab some random supplies, some sticks off a tree or the ground, you know, be green, um, but grab those things, tie them up, glue them, whatever it takes and then see if you can make a kite, you know, try these things, take the experience that's being offered to you. That's practicing positivity, you know, uh, If a program is double booked and you walk up and you see, oh, look, there's another cabin, you know, doing canoeing today, or there's another cabin doing archery. All of a sudden you have a canoe race day and you have an archery competition. It's done. It's so easy. It's like programming is being handed to you when you're thinking, oh, it's all over. Somebody else is here already. Like practicing positivity is seeing the opportunity where you didn't see it before. And yes, some stuff sucks. Some things are just not fun to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it's rain for three days, your campers are pretty much out of clothes because they're changing four times a day because they're muddy and gross. A, start thinking about maybe being inside a little bit more and staying out of the rain. Sometimes that's a little harder with the younger kids, yeah. but you know, don't be toxically positive. Embrace, the un- uh, embrace that sometimes things kind of aren't that much fun. It's a way to connect with your campers. It's a way to connect with other staff. Don't beat a dead horse and and act like it's all over, but you do have to embrace these unseen opportunities that I'm talking about, and it will make you a first class counselor for sure.
0: Mm, that's great. Oliver, I'm going to give two, are you ready for this? Two shout outs to other Go Camp Pro podcasts. Um, if you've never heard the term toxic positivity before, or especially haven't heard it in a camp, context um, then you definitely need to listen to uh, Beyond Camp. I'll put it in the show notes the specific link to it cuz Cassie and Rachel go through what toxic positivity is and it's it's awesome. It's all that the the context is for like camp directors who are furloughed or laid off or um, got fired from because of COVID, but uh, the toxic positivity aspect is is really cool. So it's nice to hear some camp people talk about it. The second shout I'm, I'm going to give is to our camp hacker host, Joe Richards, who's going to be on a first class counselor episode to tell us about storytelling really soon. Super exciting. Um, but Joe, uh, what, he's the executive director at Pierce Williams and something that they say is uh, do what needs to be done. And the what on the top of every contract, it says do what needs to be done in order to give the campers the most amazing summer camp experience. And that positivity, it plays into that because sometimes things are going to be hard. Sometimes you might not have a job that you totally enjoy or sometimes it might be the 17th time you've played uh, Chuck the Chicken. But that 17th time, that could be the first time for a kid who's ever played it. So we need to be enthusiastic. And another ism that I believe, Joe will tell me if I get it wrong, I think it's Dave Exley who said it. He said, act enthusiastic and you will be enthusiastic. Um, It's another way of kind of saying fake it till you make it because um, you never know. And then, because if you act enthusiastic, then the kids get enthusiastic because again, monkey see, monkey do. Then you get enthusiastic because of their energy, right? So um, if you can do it, then you should. And uh, that'll help you do what needs to be done and be positive.
1: I think all of our topics are so important. I had a great time doing this show, for sure. And there's only one way to finish it off, and that is by sharing our Eggles of the show. So if you don't know yet, Eggle is forever growing, ever learning, and it's a trick, a tip, or a game or song for a counselor to use to be better every day. So Matt, do you want to kick us off with what your Eggle is today?
0: Yes, for sure I can. Um, my Eggle today is a game called Knights and Dragons and Knights and Dragons is an awesome game that you can play while still remaining socially distant. And the way that it works, some people might have heard it called like grilled cheese. There's a couple different names for it. I like Knights and Dragons because it gets, it incorporates into a theme really, really well. And, uh, so the way it works is, uh, every camper, Looks around the circle and in their or or the group of other campers, one person picks uh, somebody in their head to be a knight, and one person picks another camper who is their dragon. And this is all happening in silence. So everyone in the in the game will have one knight and one dragon. No one knows who each other is. When you say go, the goal is to always have your knight in between you and the dragon. The knight protects you from the dragon. And that's all I'll say about it, but you just got to try it because it is so much fun and just the chaos that ensues because remember, you could be someone's knight while you could also be someone's dragon and it's crazy and chaotic and fun. And if you remind people to to stay socially distant, then you got a great socially distant game. That is my angle. Oliver, what do you got?
1: Yeah, I have definitely played a version of that game, and I can tell you that if you're with very competitive people, you might have to warn them that it gets a little competitive. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is a simple card game that you can play. I uh, have been home and I taught some of my family members this, and now we play every single night. Uh, But it's a great game because it will allow pretty much anyone to win. So it has enough strategy to make you feel smart while you play, but it also has enough luck that, you know, it gives anyone a chance to win and it has the thing that you're always looking for as a camp person is a grand finale, right? Like everyone has a chance right there at the end. So uh, I'm going to explain this as best I can via podcast. So essentially you're going to have your deck of cards. Everyone is going to get three cards off the top that are blind. You cannot see them. They're going to be face down. No one sees them. And that's why the name of the game is three blinds. On top of those cards, you're going to get three additional cards. Those cards are going to be face up on top of those. So essentially, they'll be back to back, one on top, one facing the table, one facing away. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else is going to get three more. Everybody else is going to get three cards. So at the end, you have a card face down a card face up on top of it and then three cards in your hand. Mm -hmm. And it's very easy. All you're going to do is start playing cards from your hand onto the pile and you're just going to get progressively higher and you can always play two cards if you need to. Uh, It doesn't change anything. So if I play a five, I can play two eights on top of it Uh, and you just keep playing. And there are three special, sorry, there are four special cards. If you play a two, that card is going to allow you to play another card. A four means that it's invisible and the card underneath is something that you can play with. Mm-hmm. And then a seven means they have to play seven or lower. And then finally, a 10 clears everything on the table and you can start a new round. And you have to always make sure you have three cards in your hand. So you draw if you only have two or one or zero. Uh, and then you play until nobody has any cards left and once nobody has any card or since once you don't have any cards in your hand you can start playing the cards that are in front of you and then finally the cards that are face down and the real trick of this is when you start playing those cards that are face down you never know what you're going to play so mm-hmm. it could put you in a really bad situation or you might get really lucky and that's the whole point
0: i've also played that game all over where nothing beats a jack which is really interesting so if you, if somebody plays a jack nothing beats it um, except another Jack, I'm pretty sure, is is what it is. So yeah, that's awesome, awesome, awesome game.
1: Thank you so much for listening, friends. If you enjoyed today's show, we would be so grateful if you left us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Your ratings and reviews not only help us tell us what you liked about the show or didn't like, but it also helps boost our rankings and helps more people discover the show.
0: That's right. We've had some awesome uh, people reach out to us, ask to be guests on the podcast, and uh, we are always happy to have some new guests in the stable ready for more episodes. Uh, just don't forget that we, we talked a lot about the things that, are, things that you'll find in the show notes. If you want to find those show notes, head over to camphacker.tv podcast or camphacker.tv FCC, and you'll find the show notes there.
1: Hey, Matt, if someone's trying to get a hold of you, how can they do that?
0: Yeah, for sure. Reach out to me at matt.gocamp.pro. How about you, Oliver?
1: And if you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at oliver.gregan.scd at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, friends. And remember, camp is camp and camp's all good. First Class Counselors is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for
0: listening, friends. Hey, Camp Pros. We love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, if you've gotten even one good idea from a Go Camp Pro podcast, masterclass, from the Summer Camp Professionals group, a conference, or wherever else, we ask that you give credit where credit is due. That way, it'll encourage Camp Pros to keep freely sharing their ideas and make the camp industry as a whole better.